Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 517. Before we start the first episode of 2021, we want to pay tribute to Jonathan Huber, better known to the wrestling industry as Luke Harper, as Brody Lee. He unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 41, and this is a tough one. It's absolutely shocking. We have lost a lot in the professional wrestling industry this year. Yeah, this is a a difficult one, and especially because um, everybody, he was always very well known for his love of being a father, and it was always there in the public. And it just really, it's, it sucks and it's awful. And I know and... like we, we first became fans of his as Brody Lee and Chikara and Dragon Gate USA. It was more um, Dave, uh, sorry to cut you off, but Dave got me into him. Dave yeah, was a Dave, big Dave mark Dave was for a him. big, yeah, absolutely. Dave He's was like, the yeah, first this is of guy us in to push. Brody Lee, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, what, what, what attracted me to Brody Lee was uh, his Bruiser Brody aspect and but the, his yakuza uh, yakuza kick, it just it just put every like just seeing the clips of him doing that to Grizzly Redwood and Claudio and uh, Quackenbush and all these guys from Chikara, and it just caught my attention. And then that's where really where I started to bring it to your attention and everything. And it just it's a total shock. And then he got signed to WWE. And uh, NXT, he debuted, and we were such fans of the Wyatt family. Once he was on the main roster, I know, like, we've said this so many times, we were always pulling for bigger and better things for Luke Harper. Like, I wish he was a WWE champion. I think it could have happened at WrestleMania 33. I wish even past WWE that he was an AEW champion. I still, like... I really wanted him to defeat Chris Jericho for that AEW championship. And it's like, it's, this is like, it's such a loss to the wrestling world. And I'm going to miss like everything, seeing him wrestle, seeing even his tweets where he'd tweet out it's such and such day. You know what that means. That's going to be the thing now. You know that. If anybody's like in months from now, somebody within the internet wrestling community just going to write, you know, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. And that's going to be like the new, like, kind of, you can say, in tweet to kind of do. And, like, like one thing I would have missed is he was like, you could say he was Mr. Consistent. He never had a bad match. When you saw you when you when saw him come out there, like, oh, man, Luke Harper's, you know, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, you can count back to the latter match they had with Dolph Ziggler at TLC. Um, I just watched it today. And I did too, yeah. What, Dijakovic versus uh Oh, yeah, Dijakovic versus Harper from Worlds Collide. The yeah. NXT alumni versus the current superstars at uh, WrestleMania 35 Access, which yeah. was his return. He was out for five months with, uh, I think, a wrist injury. Yes. And but then- that, 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 uh, that, TLC, the latter match was like such a good match. It was such a hard hitting match that obviously I wish he remained the Intercontinental Champion because it was less than a month with his reign. Yes. Wyatt Family versus The Shield at Elimination Chamber 2014. I know we collectively spoke about this match being a candidate for match of the year when it happened. Uh, and it was certainly one of the best feuds of 2014, the, the Shield versus Wyatt Family. Yeah, no, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, that entire feud, everybody was rumbling about because you had a trio versus a trio, and you were anticipating that. And then once it came uh, to happening, it was it was a fantasy matchup. And you could say his maybe his last match. Like This is the thing that totally shook me. Was it's like man, his last match was the dog collar match against Cody on AEW Dynamite. That was yeah. you know, again, we didn't speak about it last year. That could have been a match of the year candidate in 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 somebody's eyes because just a, it was the first time a dog collar match has been done in twenty something years. They did an outstanding job with it. So you could say like he even his last match was maybe one of his best matches of of his career, which is like that. I was like I, that shook me, mm-hmm. wild. And it's yeah. it's really amazing to see just like the the complete like love Nobody that said the fans thing. that the wrestlers that is that his friends are sharing all over social media. Yeah, everybody. Like even like okay, so like Emilio Sparks, he did something with the WWE. He worked there for a period of time. I forget what his role was, mm-hmm. but and I apologize about that. But he sent out a tweet. He goes, he goes, he's like Harper and his wife bought me a whole new podcasting setup. Because oh, yeah, I saw that. they yeah. believed, because they believed, I believed in what I was doing, and it was the right decision, you know. And he, he, less, you know, since left WWE, Emilio Sparks is good friends with Biggie Langston, who shared the same story. Um, you know, he's a producer for Renee Paquette's new podcast that's out there. So like, he's and he's doing big things. So that's you know somebody that you know from a work setting, believing in you and helping you out and doing the right thing. It's incredible. You yeah. want to hear and more I'm, of those stories. And yeah, absolutely. I, I've read so many of them, and I'm, I'm such a fan of all of them. And uh, I'm really happy that I've gotten a chance to see him wrestle live. Yeah. One time yeah. that sticks out the most, I think, to me was uh, Madison Square Garden, Hulk Hogan Appreciation Night. He fought Jericho. Yeah, and I remember it was just such a good match. And I'm and sure. I, and I then you have Jericho yeah, putting out that tweet about the T-shirt. Yeah, Which, that was. Correct me if I'm wrong. They all got in trouble for that too, right? Probably. I think uh, they did, and it's like it's such a like I rem- I feel like I remember being like, there's no reason why they should have gotten in trouble, and it was such like a a cool moment for like the backstage. Yeah. Stuff. It was. It was really like I've all I've been doing today is just sitting like when I, when I haven't been if I'm sitting down, I just there and I just scroll through Twitter. And I just see all like the positive stories that people said. Like, even John Silver said the ring, the ring jacket I wear to the ring now. Brody oh, yeah. bought me that because yeah, he wanted to really make cool. sure that I looked I looked good. You know, I, I looked legit in the ring. Like, it's incredible <laughs> that this guy has was. Are you crying? No, I was gonna say I was laughing because I'm remembering the clip of uh, uh, BTE being the elite. Yeah, with Brody Lee. And John Silver and the Sue's cake. Oh yes, okay. That was that was down. that was going around today. I saw that. Yeah. So it's just it's it's wild, and you know he's he's gone now. It's, yeah. It's just... And our our thoughts and our condolences go out to his family and his friends, and we would like to pay tribute to him with a ten bell salute.
marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we marking out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we marking out, y'all. Marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we marking out, y'all. Spreading like this Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we marking out, y'all. We're marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 517 of Marking Out, pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. Thank you very much for listening to the one and only online listening experience in podcast form. Um, You can help us out by going on all of your major podcasting applications, subscribing, uh, rate, review, give us five stars. We greatly appreciate that. Social media-wise, you can find us at Facebook.com slash MarkingOut, Twitter.com slash MarkingOut, YouTube and Instagram.com slash MarkingOut11, and you can go to Twitch.tv slash MarkingOut and, and watch our live streams there of me playing No Mercy. Email us, MarkingOut1 at gmail.com. My name is Chris. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisSweendog. Stockman Dave, you can follow on Twitter at Dave the Rave underscore MO because all he's doing now is tweeting about stocks. <laughs> so, you know, it took him, what, five years yeah. of a dormant account? He tweeted out episode five or retweeted episode 500 and then. And now he's all on, on stocks. Yeah. So follow Dave's great stock advice at Dave the Rave underscore MO. Uh, and as you heard him, he's here, ladies and gentlemen, Cousin Brandon. Brandon Brandon, the heart and soul of marking out, Brandon Hausen. You can follow him on both his social Where's my, where's my other nickname? Which was the other one? The prophet of podcasting. You're not a prophet of any sort <laughs> yes, of Yes, we've already been through this. No, you're not. Chris, not at all. You'll, I'll get you to call me that once, at least. Absolutely not. Never. Ooh, Just like I'll never ruin it at the end of an episode. But here, Brandon's here. You can follow him on, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at BTTG161. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing awesome as always. Good. Fantastic. How, how about was yourself? Your, uh, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're recording the first episode of 2021 on the last day of 2020. <laughs> and then, like, we recorded the open, like, last week's episode, Christmas holiday episode, before Christmas, so we didn't even get to talk about Christmas. But, Brandon... How is it being a Jew on Christmas this year? Uh, it, it, it's 2020. You you can't do anything anyway. You can get Chinese food, as you said well, last week. Yeah, we uh we didn't get Chinese food. I we were gonna order a uh, a party hero, but okay. Uh, my mom had called and ordered, tried to order it, and they're like, "Oh, we're not taking any more orders." They might just be really slammed. Yeah, especially it was like a everybody. week out from Christmas, and uh, so I don't even remember what I did on Christmas. I, I watched uh, movies. I know that. I don't remember what, but at this point, at least. But yeah, but yeah, I didn't really do anything. I know you guys obviously did stuff because you have the Elf in the Shelf and the and everything. So how was yeah, your well, Christmas? You know, I've got I've, I've got two kids, so yeah. of course we're gonna celebrate Christmas. Well, if you didn't have children, would you still celebrate Christmas? Absolutely. Christmas is great. Yes, Instead of leaving with... milk and cookies out for Santa, I'd leave whiskey and cookies out for Santa. Did, do you eat the cookies? Santa eats the cookies. <laughs> Santa eats the cookies. You can't even, like, it's like, <laughs> and wink. I, my kids I get it. My, ki- my kids aren't home right now, I so. I mean, but we, and then we also, Stu Leonard's had Christmas cookie milk. Ugh, that sounds awful. Oh no! Oh. It's incredible. Was it like Brother. sugar cookie tasting milk or something? Yeah, it sounds. It oh. tastes great. 
I could have used it in a white Russian, but I decided against How it. How do you milk a sugar cookie? <laughs> I don't know. But we, we got like two gallons of it and you know, we went through one in a week and the other one just sat in there and I gotta dump it now. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, I know. It's a, but you know, we don't, you know, three out of the four of us really don't drink milk in this house. No so. cereal. No, like once in a while, I'll do cereal. It's like um, here. Chris, it's like it comes and goes. Where it's like sometimes I'll drink a lot of milk, but most of the time I won't drink any milk. I know. Like I have a box of cinnamon toast crunch, and I'd really like to dig into that, but I'm just not a milk person. I'm but not a anyway, cinnamon toast crunch guy. back to back to Christmas. Christmas at the Sweeney House was fantastic. Uh, the kids got a bunch of stuff. Um, I, myself, for Christmas, my wife surprised me on Ringside Collectibles and got me The Fiend. And I've spoken about this, how I look for it in the stores and I have more fun, you know, finding figs in the stores. But she got me The uh, the Fiend Elite 77, uh, which I was completely and utterly shocked about. And the first thing I said to her was, did you use discount code major to use 10%? <laughs> did she? She's like, I think so. Oh. But, you know, maybe she got on one of those Cyber Monday or Cyber Monday 3.0 sales and stuff like that. And she she told me straight up, she's like, it was so hard keeping this from you since, you know, you work from home. She's like, I think you were podcasting at the time and something came to the door. So I had to rush to the door to make sure that you didn't see it. Wow. So it was it was a genuine surprise. And that was the first, like, you know, surprise that I've gotten Christmas present wise in a long time. You know, so, I got to say, uh, figure hunting is fun. But and it sucks. But I but I think it's better just knowing like, oh, I don't have to actually go out. I have the figure. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Like, like the Walmart by me, the Walmart that's literally like a five minute walk from me stinks because they get nothing in. And when they get something in, they get a one burst and then three months they're sitting empty. And also and if then, you like if you're a mint on card collector like myself. Yeah. It's difficult sometimes to find a card that's not banged up. Yeah, like my Jericho, mint, both of them, well, I have one mint on card and I have one loose, but the mint on card one, it's it, like the the card itself is a little wonky, but the rest of it's mint, because I also found those the day they got released in that Walmart. Yeah, um, I have I have two of the same rider figure that has like the absolute worst card ever, and it's just so disappointing that, that it has yeah. that banged up. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, we hung out at home, you know. Christmas Eve, we got Chinese food, which was, you know, fantastic. Great meal. Is that um, new for you or? No, we do, we've, since me and Rachel have been together, that's been our thing. It's either like, you know, because we go to my mother's house for either Christmas or Christmas Eve, depending when she's off. And the other day, we'll stay home, we'll get Chinese food. So my mom was off Christmas Day. So Christmas Eve, we got Chinese food, which was awesome. Uh, and. Yeah, and then we went to my mom's house for a little bit. You know, it was very, very low key. There wasn't saw, a lot of people there. I, yeah, I saw was, Big honestly, Rich with the uh, with the uh, drinking with Rich segment. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, little Larry that guy is. But I got one of those cocktail smokers. I got one of those for Christmas for my parents. What is the what is the the point? What is the what does it do for you? Know the how drink? you smoke? You know how you smoke meat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, like you smoke ribs and brisket and stuff like that. It's it, it brings those smoky nuances to a cocktail. So I've been like really experimenting with it this week. Like I did uh, an old fashioned, but I smoked the glass and the ice beforehand, so that picks up on there, and then poured the drink in. What 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 do you uh, what the what are the wood chips you put in? Uh, like they gave you they give you cherry, they give you cinnamon, um, they give you oak, and they give you apple. And they give you a screaming bird in the background too. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, tonight, you know, is new is New Year's Eve, so maybe I'll make myself a little cocktail while I'm cooking dinner. Yeah, now he's singing the Adams Family in the background. That's right, you heard that right, folks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that was cool. It was it was a low key Christmas. You know, the kids got a bunch of stuff. Jordan got a bunch of those like Lego this year came out with like the Super Mario builds. Um, if you're familiar with them, like they build like different courses from Super Mario, and they're unbelievable. Oh, that's and cool. He, uh, we spent three hours putting Bowser's castle together. It was crazy. Like, and then, and then apparently they're dropping a bunch of new ones on the first of the first of the year, allegedly. And Jordan's like, "We have to go look at the website. I need to get these." I'm like, "I'm not buying you anything else. I have money. You're not spending all of your money on Lego builds." He goes, "I need, I need Wiggler's Swarpy Swamp." I'm like, "Whatever." <laughs> but. Uh, I digress, and then you know I uh, I did some filming some for some stuff this week um, that I can't get the details about as much as I want to get the details about all the stuff that I'm filming. It, it'll come out in light soon. Um, but you you were kinda... the one that uh, no nah, I'm not even gonna say that never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna retract well, whatever it. you say. <laughs> it was Marty Janetti related, but I'm gonna retract. Oh it yeah, anyway. no, absolutely not. I, 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 I saw that article before. <laughs> we're a PG podcast, um, and as you heard in the open, the cold open of this show, um, this week we lost uh, one of the standout workers, not just like in history, but like in this era of professional wrestling and that was mr Brody lee john huber hubber whatever people are calling him it's huber i believe um however um aew is the promotion that he is with now and they were supposed to have this big new year's bash main event was supposed to be kenny omega facing off against ray, ray phoenix they scrapped it completely scrapped the show and they made this week's aew dynamite a celebration of life and the memory of mr Brody lee and this this was a tough episode to watch. I cried four times. But and while we're going over the show, I'll tell you all the four times that I cried. Everyone went out there. They gave it them their all uh, yeah. for Brody. And it was just incredible to see. Like, even it opens up uh, Jim Ross. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Which is yep. obviously, we've said it before, is uh, the classic Luke Harper, Brody Lee tweet. Yeah, and I said it, and I said it, and that's this is going to be a very popular thing going forward. It may pick up for the mainstream. You know, what happens if, when hockey comes back, the, what was it, yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, yeah. When, oh, you know, one of their first game that, back. But... They're gonna, the first game back, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's Friday. You know what that means. I saw somebody asked uh, Kevin Kelly, I believe, if they could open up Wrestle yes. Kingdom like that. And he said, absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I loved it, and I thought that's a great idea. But you open up. With a ten bell salute to Mr. Brody, the entire roster is on the stage. Ten uh, ten bell salute. You have his son, who has now been aptly dubbed minus one, in the perf- in the awesome suit. He's got the Sega Borkade in his hands, um, and it was it was tough. Which then led into John Moxley kind of opening up these. Te- these testimonials about how great Brody Lee was, and right, and, you know, John Moxley has a, a very long, lengthy history. Yeah, with Brody Lee from CZW back in the day, um, and your first match kicked off with the, the Young Bucks and Colt Boom Boom Cabada of the Dark Order picking up the victory over uh, the Private Hardy Party. I like first before we even speak about the match. I like Chris Jericho on commentary just trying to pump up the spirits of everyone. Yes. He's like, this is a, a tribute show. We're going to pump it up. 
basically. Yeah. And, I, uh, yeah, and I very much so appreciated that. Um, and I liked in this first match, Matt Hardy, he teased using a chair. So he's definitely, we've been saying it for, for quite some time now. He's definitely heel-ish. Yes. Uh, but Queen Mark Quinn did not want to do that. Uh, that basically led to the beginning of the end where we saw the Indy taker, the Superman pin from Cole Cabana to pick up the victory. I want to talk about how much Cold Cabana shined in this match. Yeah, luchador. You know, yeah, the, he was pu- pulling out moves that I don't think that we've seen him do in AEW. And I could be wrong. Somebody might come at me and be like, oh my god, he did, he did a Hurricane Rana in this match. But it really... And then you also saw the emotion on Colt's face when he came out. And he, you know, he didn't come out to Colt Cabana's music. He, he came out to the Dark Order. And this was the, the first time he really... They said it on commentary even. Embraced yeah. Dark Order. Yep. So Cabana picks up the win. Uh, afterwards, the Acclaim comes out. And as they're coming to the ring, SCU comes out and uh, knocks uh, knocks them out. And then the Bucks super kick the Acclaim. Cabana hits a, an elbow. And that's it. That's the end of uh, that's the end of the match. Which I, you know, I understand that this is a tribute show for Brody Lee, but they kind like and they did a, a good job of kind of extending storylines. Yeah, it wasn't. So it, it wasn't forced. No, it was not forced at all. It's like you could have had the Bucks and and Cabana like crying and hugging the ring and stuff like that. But they did a good job of hey, listen, let's keep this going and let's keep the fun going. Because I feel like everything that I've seen so far this week. From people talking about Brody Lee, like he was one of those guys that like to keep things going, keep the attitude up, you know, all that, like, you know, having a good time. After that, we saw another testimonial from Darby Allen. Yes. Uh, which Great. led into Lance Archer, Evil Uno, and Steve Stu. Stu Grayson. Steve. Yeah, I don't know why I said Steve. I guess because evil in my head, evil and Stu. Stu Grayson uh, defeated Eddie Kingston, Steve. the Butcher, and the Blade. We saw Lance Archer come out in big rig Brody Lee attire, which was really Luke cool Har- to You could see. say kind of Luke Harper. I, or that's Luke what I, Harper, that, yeah. That's the first time I welled up. Uh, Eddie Kingston, before the match, dedicated it to Brody. Uh, in the match, we saw Stu Grayson use the truck stop slam. Um, yep. Also, that triangle, the the triangle DDT that he hit was crazy. Yeah, let me. I want to go back to the, to the beginning too. With again, AEW doing a great job of keeping things going. Like you know, Eddie takes the microphone and he takes Justin Roberts' microphone. And he says, "This is for you." But the Dark Order stinks. The Dark so Order. Like, you're nothing without Brody Lee. That's a terror. I can't to do an Eddie Kingston impression. Yeah. He's always like, it you're comes out like Taz. Like, but... Which makes you want to hate him more. And then kind of separates. I th- I love this match. And I think Chris Jericho said it the best. He goes, this is a straight up Donnybrook. Because the- yeah, there's guys all over the ring. Again, another guy. You know, we, uh, the first match I talked about how Cole Cabana shined in that match. I think Stu Grayson shines in this match. Yeah. I, I, I that, that DDT that he did was insane. Yeah. And the fatality is still, I think that's the best tag team finisher in professional wrestling. Uh, and then after the match, they all took turns hitting Kingston, including Jake Roberts, who hit him with that short arm clothesline. Yeah, and, and Jericho's like, it's the guy that invented the short arm clothesline. 
After that, we saw testimonials from Scott Dawson, Arn Anderson, Cole Cabana, and uh, Bryce Remsburg. Bryce Remsburg and, and Brody have a big uh, history going back to Chikara. And, yeah, th- this is I, – I, I don't want to say that I cried at this part because I cried at the beginning of the next match as, again – the Dark Order and Hangman Page, John Silver and Alex Reynolds pick up the victory over MJF, Santana Ortiz, when they all came out. And seeing, like, over the past couple days, like, the the friendship that John Silver and Brody Lee had with him coming out. He had the, the tights that were made for him for a BT segment. The whole Dark Order coming out, the wide shot of them all putting up the hand signal. That's the second part. I got got to me because of seeing how important Brody Lee was to John Silver. I liked Jericho kind of being a heel on commentary during this match because his boys were in it. Yeah. And uh, saying, it looks like he's wearing overalls. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the Jericho's like, it does. He looks like a farmer. <laughs> but, again, uh, but MJF, I- he brought comedic relief to this show. And it was, uh, I think, maybe much needed uh, before... The show there was like a, a an online segment that that had Santana and Ortiz give MJF a gift, and he's like, "Are you are you sure about this?" And uh, it was revealed on Dynamite that it was matching Puerto Rican gear that that he was going to be wearing. Yeah, and also in this match, MJF getting in the face of Brody Lee Jr. Um, also, the Dark Order, Johnny and Alex throwing the papers, popping the crowd, throwing the papers, which is a big I, thing that Brody did on on being the elite. That I didn't see. I never watched being the elite. I watched so, the the one big package that they put that I think was Brandon Cutler cut everything together. I it was outstanding, and I yeah. was laughing and I was welling up at that one with the papers and stuff like that. It was so funny. So that like, but again, again, like some people don't understand, won't understand that. But for the people that watch BTE and the people who watch that video, they get it. I watched that video like twice. Just it, it was, was so, so funny. It like was, all the, are you gonna so cry? Funny. Are you gonna cry? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was well done. This match I thought was great. Again, every there's been one person in all of these matches that has shined, and in this one, hands down, it was John Silver. Yeah, and it was cool to see a lot of people like put Johnny over and say like, Oh my God, this guy's really good. I know Alex and, too, and, not just Johnny, but Enzo Enzo, you know, formerly Enzo more WWE just wrote John effing silver. So and, and the, the star power that he has and had, you know, had the WWE for him to give the rub to somebody like John silver. And I was thinking about this last night and I remember it was 2000. This, this is a, a, a Mark story that I have to tell you. So it was like 2011. I just graduated from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And, you know, I mentioned him on the show, Fat Pat. He's like, hey, you want to help me film NYWC? You know, maybe we'll put a product together or something like that. I'm like, all right, fine. So I go there. And one of the matches on the night, it was like for the few, it was like, it was like a, a tournament for the Fusion Championship. One of like the first round matches with John Silver versus Sammy Callahan. This is 2011. Sammy's having these barn burners with Fit Finley all over the world. And then he comes in and does NYWC. And just seeing what he did there. And now seeing him on this big scale of being on TNT. And, like, we say it every week. Everybody is now seeing what we've been seeing for years and how good John Silver is. Absolutely, yeah. So that's, like, my little story. And I was just like, like, man, I'm like, that was awesome. Um, There's a a lot more that happened to this match. You know, as— Wardlow got involved. Wardlow— Wardlow tries to get involved, and out of nowhere comes 
FKA Rowan, Eric Redbeard comes in. Big big man brawl here. Eric Redbeard gets, you know, gets the upper hand of Wardlow. There's no and they made sure they pointed it out on commentary. It's like, "Up, oh, these guys are involved in the match. There's no DQs going on." That whole segment I thought was really funny also on commentary because you have Jericho yelling, "It's Eric Rowan." And Jim Ross would be like, "Redbeard. Eric <laughs> no, Rowan, Redbeard." And then, uh, <laughs> and when they said that line about how Aubrey didn't disqualify them because they like didn't touch anybody in the match, he goes, "Oh well, she's stupid anyway." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really Jericho, funny, but it was really, Jericho, really awesome like to see Eric Rowan, Eric Redbeard on this tribute show. Yeah, I thought that was that's you know a guy that he was paired with for so many years. Yeah, and was still paired until he left the WWE. Uh, we saw MJF pull off negative one's mask. It's negative one, not minus one, right? I don't know if it's negative or minus. Uh, I think it's, I think it might be negative one's mask. Uh, and he spit on it. So negative one hits him with the kendo stick. MJF goes down. Uh, and then we, we saw Johnny hit the, the discus lariat to win the match in honor of Brody Lee. Yep. And afterwards, Which, they all got a good hug. That was that was really hard to see. After he pinned him, he was just on the mat crying like that. And uh, that was very difficult to watch. And Rowan came back out with a, a goodbye for now, my brother, see you down the road sign. And they all hugged. They all celebrated. So it was, I think this was a really, really nice segment. I thought this was the the highlights. Yeah, you could say, of like you know where like you know there's those those curves like uh, in a movie where it goes up. This is like the high points, and then I don't want to say it went down from here, but like this was like the tip of the cap. You know, especially as we've seen, we saw the the involvement of Brody Lee's son, and then we saw you know John Silver and how you know important Brody Lee was to him. So we saw Eddie Kingston do a testimonial after that, um, just. Basically, putting over Brody Lee as a father. Yeah, and that's a, and uh, that's one thing that Bryce Remsburg yes, said. Yes, if there is a Mount Rushmore of wrestling dads, Brody Lee is on it. Yeah. So. Uh, next match, we saw Anna Jay and Ty Conti defeat Penelope Ford and Britt Baker. I'm still I'm such a fan of that team of Conti and and Anna Jay, yeah. and I hope they continue to team together. I'm a fan of Anna Jay. Yeah, and it's crazy that she's like she's so new to the business. She had before when she came into AEW, she had seven matches underneath yeah, her. Yeah, that's insane. Insane. I like um but, she tweeted out a story about how she used to wear that mask of hers. Yeah. I thought it was cool that she had her own dark order mask. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Um but Apparently, management or whatever told her not to wear the mask again, and Brody questioned where the mask was, and she said, "Like, oh, I was told not to wear it." And she and he and Brody's response was, "Good, I hated that thing." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny to that that story. But then again, you know, after I I said it before earlier in the night after the Young Bucks Cabana match, they're doing a good they did a good job of kind of extending storylines going forward in here because afterwards you have Britt Baker call Tony Schiavone into the ring and Britt says the whole match is one big rig. 
Yeah. Shout out to... But then Thunder Rosa comes in, jumps Britt Baker from behind, and AEW officials have to separate Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. So this, you know, extending that storyline between these two people. Yeah. Women. Uh, we saw another testimonial from Chris Jericho after that, uh, which I mentioned in the the opening that that was one of the my like a standout match of mine that I saw live was Jericho and Luke Harper. So I thought it was cool that he mentioned stuff like that. Yeah, no, so am I. Uh, and then the main event we saw Cody teaming up with Orange Cassidy and Ten of Dark Order. To defeat Team Taz, Hobbs, uh, Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage. I think Hobbs versus Orange Cassidy was a fun matchup in this. Yes, so do I. And doing the test of strength and then bringing it down to put him right in his pockets. I thought I thought this match was so well done. Again, sh- again, people shined in each match. Ten shined in this match. Yeah. And for him to get the pinfall in the main event on Dynamite. Yeah, it was awesome. Absolutely. We saw Taz and Arn Anderson uh, kind of get involved here with the chair, the chair yes. stare down. One thing that I took away from this match is how beautiful Brian Cage did the flatliner in the middle of the match. Yeah. Was, it was a, it was a flatliner for a pitiful. And also, too, Brian Cage has a, uh, you know, a rapport with Canyon. You know, was one of his mentors in the business. So it was, it was perfect. I was like, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. Apparently, that's how, like, Kate, like, Canyon is like one of the people that helped Cage like kind of like get into the business. Hmm. Yeah. So like the show ends now here. It's 9:45. Well, after so, that we saw Team Taz including uh Taz's son Hook attack everybody in the match. Uh yes. Cody, Orange Cassidy and 10. The lights go out. Out comes Darby Allen. Uh and he goes to make his way down, but the lights go out again. Everybody, the crowd knows what the deal is. Sting comes out. They make their way see, down. You didn't, you didn't Oh well a Tony oh, Schiavone didn't yell, even say it. Sting. And no, he didn't. It was Excalibur, I think, tonight. I know it's great. He's like, you do it. <laughs> and uh so they, they made their way down towards the ring and Team Taz backed off. And Cody brought Brody Lee Jr. into the ring who placed his father's boots in the center of the ring and Cody covered them with the handkerchief. Yep. Symbolizing all the, uh, you know, um, he was had a handkerchief. Yeah. And then time. Tony Khan came, uh, and gave Brody Lee jr. The TNT championship and made him TNT champion for life. And then on the post show, they made, uh, sure to announce that the, that specific TNT championship design is officially retired. They're going to come back with a new design of the the championship. Yeah. So then, so my question is now: Are they going to get this done within the next week? I I don't know. I don't. Maybe they've been. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. Maybe it's something because uh, you know. Apparently, reports came out that like a lot of people in AEW knew about this, so it was kind of like hush hush out of respect. Yeah. For Brody Lee, so maybe they're like okay, like, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe there was internal talks like. Maybe we should retire this one with Brody Lee Jr. And I mean, it was a hard segment to watch because I feel like Tony Khan was trying to trying to keep it all in before he started crying hysterically. You know, he's like, he's like, TMG uh, Championship for life, and then you saw him kind of like back up and him like kind of get out of the shot. So uh, um, and then I, Dynamite closed with a tribute video, which I thought was really cool to see some WWE pictures in there. Yeah, uh, because this is this is above. 
this whole thing is above whether it's WWE or AEW. I saw somebody today who's like, oh, yeah, AEW's going to get the ratings. Like, Dude, screw off. Yeah, there were so many people, so many tweets like that. And it's just, like, disturbing that people think like that. I know. But, uh, yeah, and they obviously there were also, like, behind-the-scenes photos uh, yes. Like personal photos with WWE superstars in it, like Big E. Um, even, I mean, the WWE champion and the Universal champion were both featured. Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, they were both in pictures. And but I think again, that speaks volumes. Said, that it's, It speaks huge volumes. Yeah. Now, let me, and also, um, a hu- a bit, the, the song that they used was a, what was it? Tom was Waits. Old 50, 50 Apparent, Bob, uh, I think. Tony Khan has come out and said that he purchased the rights. To that song so now that song the the, the package the, the whole video will live forever which I think is it speaks again volumes about Brody Lee and his impact on the business absolutely and I think uh, it was just overall a really wonderful episode of AEW Dynamite a great tribute to a great person we're going to take a quick break right now and we'll be right back here on Marking Out Support for Marketing Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. So essentially, it's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. And they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, so that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud, because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way, I can charge my Lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone, all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Back on Marking Out, pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. Thanks, as always, to Manscaped for being on board with the pod. Use the coupon code 
regardless. Save 20% off and free shipping. I did it. I said I was going to do it last week. In all the uh, male people's stockings in my family, I gave them some ball wipes. My brother-in-law looked at me like I had eight heads. But once he realizes how great those ball wipes are on a hot summer day, hoping he's like, oh, man, it's such a hot day. I'm sweaty. Maybe I should go inside. Oh, I have these ball wipes. And then he feels like a million bucks again. I'll get a phone call saying, Chris, thank you. So anyway, again, Manscaped.com. Use the coupon code regardless. Save 20% off and free shipping. And let's hit to the WWE Sports Entertainment Talk with... Monday Night Nitro. Which uh, opened with a Luke Harper bumper. Rightfully so. Uh, And Tom Phillips opened the show with it's Monday and you know what that means which again is a play on his tweets Luke Harper's yeah, tweets yeah 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 and, uh, uh, and then yeah and then Drew McIntyre came out for the opening segment he used that line as well and went into the uh he added the yeah 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 um yeah it, it I think that it was a proper opener um for Monday Night Raw, and I love the fact that it wasn't just ending at the bumper, but they had the on-air talent, I guess, like Tom Phillips, the commentating team, make mention to it, McIntyre opening with it. Um, I I thought it was really fitting. Yeah. Uh, McIntyre spoke about the WWE Championship being on the line next week. Sheamus came out to speak about what happened after the match last week with the bro kick and Keith Lee. Keith Lee came out and spoke about last week, and then McIntyre said, um, like, have a ref come down. Let's just start with the match, which is fantastic. Yeah, Sheamus hits Keith Lee with two brogue kicks before the match. Which is a great way to kick off this match. I mean, what do you think is going to, where do you think Sheamus and Lee are going with this? Well, I mean, next week, obviously through this next match, Keith Lee defeated Sheamus to become the number one contender, so he'll have that championship match next week. Uh, although I would have liked to have seen Sheamus win this, but I guess maybe that can be saved for a pay-per-view match. Yeah, it could be saved. I mean, I just kind of... My whole thing is I feel like this could also be led into a tag team of Sheamus and Lee. Oh, like I, I don't know about that one. Like, kind of like with Cesaro and Sheamus. And I feel like a lot of tag teams are being created in that sort of a manner right now. I mean, it it's t- like it seems like Sheamus and Lee just don't see eye-to-eye. But when they have to see eye-to-eye, they do. But then they go back to not seeing eye-to-eye. Yeah. Um, but I like I liked this match. I think uh, even after taking those two pre-match bro kicks, Keith Lee still went hard. Yeah, and and uh, Sheamus hitting the right white noise on uh, Keith yeah. Lee was pretty impressive uh, too. Yeah, big one. I liked also Sheamus hitting that diving uh, double fist to the outside. I thought that was uh, I feel like we don't see that often enough. Yeah, I, I like the fact that these are two of the powerhouses houses in WWE, and they put on a nice match. Yeah. Um. After this, you had Grand Metallic pick up the victory over the Miz. Very surprising. Definitely. Very, very surprising. And I think Grand Metallic is actually one of the best wrestlers in WWE. So it's actually nice to see him 
pick up a victory here and shine during this match. I, you know, I go back and forth, but I definitely understand what you're saying from from a pure pro wrestler uh, standard. He definitely is up there. And it kind of fits into everything that's playing with The Miz right now, too. Yeah, because he's he, the whole, he's been playing up how he should have had the Money in the Bank contract. Yeah, his mind is not there right now. Which I think, I mean, we could just go to it now, is that later on in the night, Adam Pierce found The Miz and John Morrison and presented him with the, the Money in the Bank briefcase and the contract. Yeah, pretty much confirming that Jomo cashed in and not The Miz. <laughs> He's like, I would have given it to him last week, but uh, I couldn't find you or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if he said that on Twitter or on the actual show. I don't remember if I'm, I'm confusing the two or not. I, but, I don't remember, but I'm really happy to see that The Miz does have the briefcase. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. Again. Yeah. I, I think that it's it's great television. And it's it's also something great about it is that it added so much to that te- that match, yeah. Getting into the triple threat, that added so much to that. But match. now, does AJ Styles deserve an actual match? Now he, I feel like he should. Why? Well, he didn't. Ha- well, because Miz didn't cash in. What was Miz? I understand that there's no DQ in a ladder match. Yeah, exactly. That's what my mind was just going with. But maybe Miz and Morrison shouldn't have gotten involved. Maybe if they hadn't gotten involved, then... I mean, this could easily be played off into the storyline, too, because AJ Styles is that kind of a... Not manipulative, but that kind of a persona right now where he's he could say, hey, if he wasn't actually in the match, this match should not have been a triple threat. It should have been one-on-one, and... It could be played into that too. So in, in 2020, we saw a an I quit Hell in a Cell match. Maybe we could see a ladder match, a ladder Hell in a Cell match, or something like that. That'd be that'd be interesting. <laughs> uh, the next match after that, we saw Shayna Baszler defeat Dana Brooke. Uh, we saw Baszler lock the Kirafuda clutch on Dana Brooke outside the ring. And then she went after Mandy Rose, but Dana was able to make the save, but Ultimately, that didn't matter because she still tapped to the to the Kirafuda clutch later on. Yeah, and something that I liked that Baszler did was that arm wrench uh, apron maneuver. Yeah, where she was working the elbow and the wrist on that across that apron, and the way that Dana Brooke was selling that, it looked awesome. Uh, after the match, Shayna Baszler locked the Kirafuda clutch on uh, Mandy, and. Uh, that was pretty much that the match itself. Uh, I think Dana Brooke was pulling out some new moves in this match. We said it a lot in 2020. Dana Brooke is she's making a lot of strides in her wrestling abilities. So it's nice to see her strides or strides. I was just thinking that it's. I, I think it's strides. Yeah, probably strides. <laughs> strides with a D. Oh, stride. Yeah, strides. Yeah, stride. Unless yeah, I'm wrong. Makes... No, 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 strides, because you take strides. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I don't know. Yeah, but regardless, that's... One? Manscaped.com. Yeah, manscaped.com. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, I think that she's definitely improving. So it's cool seeing her breaking out some new maneuvers, too. Yeah, and it's nice to see when somebody does that. Uh, after that, we saw Alexa's Playground with Randy Orton. Where she teased 
the Fiends return next week to maybe meet Hulk Hogan. We have Legends Night coming up, which kind of is like a throwback. Uh, I think Bray Wyatt once had a, a teasing segment with Hogan. I believe so. I think that something that I really liked was Alexa's tribute to uh, uh, Luke Harper. Yeah, she Luke- used uh, Luke Harper's yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't even, like, she didn't even miss a beat to the point where if you weren't aware of it, it kind of, it worked out perfectly because she just kept on continuing with her sentence. And I I thought that that was really uh, a nice play. Yeah, and she called Randy Orton out multiple times, but his music hit, stopped, and then the Firefly Funhouse music plays. Randy Orton showed up uh, at the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, he punts Huskis. He threw Mercy into Abby. Uh, he mentioned the the uh, the burning compound art on the wall, and then he ripped Ramblin' Rabbit's head off. Ramblin' Rabbit just does not have it easy. That 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 dude is like that dude is like Kenny from South Park. He just keeps on coming back for more. Yeah. But I but I I marked out for this entire segment because just seeing, I feel like I've said it before. Orton and Bray Wyatt are so connected with their characters. I love it, and I love that the Randy Orton just always finds a way to one up. Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. You really think about him being a, a a mental mind game wrestler all too much? You really don't. But he has been playing such great mind games uh, with Bray Wyatt that this is fantastic. But Alexa Bliss challenged Randy Orton, and I thought it was like she was challenging him to a match. And I I thought the same thing, and I would not have put it past her challenging him for that. Okay. Um, what do you, what do you mean? Well, cause like, I wasn't sure if I maybe just like misinterpreted it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, t- I took it the same way. I didn't think that they were actually going to have a match, but I was intrigued with how it was going to play out. Yeah. Uh, earlier though, in the night we saw Elias backstage playing guitar and there was a knock on his door and he told Jackson Riker to like basically ignore it. But later on, someone's like literally banging on the door again. And it turned out to be Omos and AJ Styles. And Elias made fun of AJ Styles losing at TLC. And then AJ Styles challenged him to a match on Monday Night Raw. And then he defeated Elias on Monday Night Raw. I think that this entire... I love AJ with Omos. Omos? Omos. 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 I love how AJ, I think he tried to go for like a headbutt on almost backstage where he jumped up and like tried to like do that, like, like a head, a headbutt kind of a, Hey, let's go get this kind of a thing. AJ Styles is playing so well off of the, off of him that I feel like AJ Styles is having so much fun right I popped, now i popped at aj styles uh mispronouncing mozart at first <laughs> i mean even him calling uh saying to elias that he's not uh, johnny cash yeah you know i feel like aj styles is just having a lot of fun with this portrayal right now um it's really cool but for the actual uh match itself aj styles picked up that victory 
We saw Elias uh, continually using variants of old school, which we've only known as Undertaker's uh, arm shoulder move, mm-hmm. where he walks the top rope. Elias yeah. used the Meteora version on Monday Night Raw. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like at one point Riker went to hit AJ Styles, but almost walked over and he got scared. So it we, he was probably like storyline wise going to hit AJ. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily almost was there. And I like the, the, the dynamic between AJ styles and almost like you were just saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really entertaining. It just, you could see that AJ is just having fun, but AJ styles was able to hit that phenomenal forearm to pick up the victory there. I, I do have to say, I'm not a fan of the phenomenal forearm, though, as a finisher. Why? I, I, I feel like it's a great signature move, like a setup move to a finisher. And I know he has a Styles Clash, but I feel like he needs to have, if you're not going to do Styles Clash, I feel like there has to be another move besides the phenomenal forearm. Got to be able to hit your finish on everybody, brother. Yes, that's very, very <laughs> true. I feel like there's just something else that could be more impactful than a forearm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's got a steel plate. Me. Maybe he's Lex Luger. We don't know. <laughs> Jeez, you're in my mind. Get out of it. I was just thinking of that, too. <laughs> uh, next yeah, match, next... we saw Mustafa Ali defeat Ricochet. During the entrances, we saw another Luke Harper tribute. Uh, T-Bar came out with Retribution and did Luke Harper's taunt. Yeah, which was cool to see. Um, the match itself, I thought, was really enjoyable. We saw Slapjack and Reckoning get involved to distract the referees, so T Bar and Mace were able to knock Ricochet off the the top rope into the barricade. And then Ali hit a a really nice splash from the top rope to the outside. Yeah, we saw. I think uh, maybe the move of the. The night, perhaps, Ricochet hitting a backflip German suplex, I guess you would call it. Yeah, it was very interesting. I thought that was really cool. I definitely agree. And I, this is a matchup where I think we mentioned it before, but this is, a, a, I don't know, in my opinion, I feel like this is a fantasy pairing of Ali and Ricochet because it's just, they are so good at what they do. Where you don't want to miss this matchup. And I think think uh right after that German suplex, we saw Ricochet hit a discus lariat for for Luke Harper as well. Yeah. I mean, Uh, that's the thing. The tributes just came pouring in throughout the entire night. Um, But the finish happened when uh, Ali reversed the shooting star press into his submission finisher. Yeah, he locked uh, the Koji clutch in. Yeah. And then after that, Ali... Gave him the opportunity to join Retribution. When you thought that Ricochet was about to give in, he doesn't. He doesn't give in. He actually ends up attacking Ricochet. Hits yeah, he, him hits, with, uh, he hits the recoil, and it's like, maybe Ricochet should just join. It may be easier on him, but yeah. After that, the recoil and gets away. After that, we saw Charlotte Flair defeat Nia Jax via disqualification. Uh, Before the match, she entered the the Women's Royal Rumble. 
And it kind of seemed like uh, Shayna Baszler was interested in entering as well. Yeah, I I feel like that was her entering too. That's what it seemed like. I don't know yeah. what they're going to... Maybe they're going to break up Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler through the Royal Rumble. But I, I, I just, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. But in this match, we saw Asuka take Shayna Baszler out. Um, and it looked like she was like just going to be yelling at Flair. Not like interrupting or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Flair had the, the figure four locked in. And then Shayna Baszler got pissed off. And uh, I guess retaliation for what Asuka did. She put her in the Kirifuda clutch. That led to the disqualification. Nia Jax joined in, but Asuka broke it up and they fled. Once again, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, I feel like they have so many DQs under their belt. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. Like since forming the tag team. But what I think is cool is that no matter who is costing who the DQ, they don't care about the match outcome. They just care about inflicting that pain on their opponent. Yeah. Uh, after that, we saw Charlie Caruso interview Angel Garza about 2020, and he spoke about how there will be new opportunities for him in 2021, which was cut off by R-Truth running from the roster. And it looked like he was gonna he had a rose or whatever, and then the rose got trampled by everybody chasing after R-Truth. He still gave it to Charlie Caruso, though. And uh, also, New Year's Eve, they had some sort of TikTok party. Mm-hmm. And Angel Garza ended up winning the the twenty four seven championship, but it was a funny segment. I think uh, it was like New Day, R Truth, um, John Cone, and I guess Angel Garza winning the championship. But Truth thought it was going to be twenty twenty, which I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Oh man, two thousand nineteen! Can't wait for twenty twenty. I, I feel like there's really moments. I feel like there's moments when R Truth. Is just legit trying to pop his fellow wrestlers, you know? Like, I feel like at times he's not telling anybody anything just to try to see if he could get them to break character. Yeah. Um, we saw before the match, we saw Hardy Bros and New Day celebrating New Day's victory backstage. Uh, their New Day's victory as in uh, Big E's Intercontinental Championship win. Which is nice that they're still New Day. And then Riddle suggested some really bad names for their foursome. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Xavier Woods had a Brody Lee armband. Kofi Kingston had Brody on his, uh, on his wrist tape. Hurt Business, though, picked up the victory over Hardy Bros and New Day. Before that, Lashley entered the Royal Rumble, so he's the first person no the second person daniel bryan was the first to declare there uh but it was really cool uh to not see or to to see that the the unicorn stampede still lives on they all four of them did it together so i thought that was cool to see new day and the hardy bros do it um but this turned into everybody hitting their moves towards the end xavier woods hitting that discus lariat in tribute to uh, Luke Harper and then Tom Phillips with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the match ended with Jeff Hardy tapping to the Hurt Lock. 
And then they continued to beat them up after the match, but they fought back. And Riddle hit Lashley with that huge knee to the face before they left. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think that was something that you could have expected. No. Um, But again, a nice tribute to Luke Harper there. 100%. Next up, you had the closing of Monday Night Raw where Randy Orton confronted Alexa Bliss in the ring. Alexa had her entire playground set up. Randy Orton confronts... Uh, no, she didn't have the playground set up, did she? No, she did not. She but, she was... Uh, yeah, Randy Orton questioned where the Fiend was because it seemed... Yeah. What she said earlier in the night made it seem like the Fiend is just good to go whenever. Um. So... Orton questions where he is and Alexa Bliss very creepily says it's not about him it's about me and then she goes and says that she has a present for Randy Orton which turned out to be a gas canister and matches and then she totally flipped the switch on Randy Orton yeah she sets them down by Orton and tells him to light her on fire like he did to her like he did to the fiend, I mean. And she goes ahead. She like lays down in the middle of the ring. She poured a, a trail of gas from Randy Orton to her. Yeah, uh, he doesn't really... do it. Then she pours a circle around her. Still doesn't do it. He goes. She said, "You don't have the guts to do it." Then she douses she... herself, dumps the entire thing all over her, and it was just incredible because you're watching this right now, and you're like. What are they going to do? Where are they going to go with this? We just saw the Fiend get lit on fire. Are they really going to do something like this? Or is the Fiend going to uh, to appear? What could potentially happen? Is is this going to be the final transition of Alexa Bliss into whatever um, she is morphing into? In a way, you know, and uh, yeah, and Randy Orton said that he wants to do it, but he knows she wants him to. And then Fiend gimmicks start happening, and Orton lights the match. Monday Night Raw ends on a cliffhanger, which I think normally I'd be like, "This is stupid." I hated when they ended. Monday Night Raw leading into Hell in a Cell where they just brawl. They, they go into the cage, cut the, the feed. Yeah. We don't see anything after that. This, I was like, I want to see more. I want to see next week. I want to see what happened. I, I, didn't, so, I didn't mind this incomplete ending. Yeah. So for me, I definitely felt that at first, I wasn't that much of a fan of it. Because I was like, I want that conclusion. But then, after thinking about it, talking to Brandon, not really too much. But after it's thinking like about it, I'm like, message yeah. Uh, but after that, I was just like, okay, you know what? It, this does make sense. This does. This was a great way to end Monday Night Raw. It makes sense to me. I totally get it. Um, and it's, it was just so entertaining. Yeah. Um, after Monday Night Raw on Raw Talk. They, uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston paid tribute to Luke Harper, Brody Lee. So I thought that was really cool that they, that they had that. Uh, and just still like all the stories that are coming out and all the pictures and videos and stuff. It's still, it's still so shocking. 
I mean, you're hearing stuff with like Big E putting out all these stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just heart wrenching, you know. Yeah, and they opened NXT also with the the Luke Harper bumper. Yeah. Um, the first match, though, we saw Bronson Reed pick up the victory over Isaiah Swerve Scott. Um, Wasn't a squash match. No, and I, I'm not sure if we've seen this before, but I feel like it might have been the first time we've seen Bronson Reed's entrance where he stomps and the, the camera shakes. I wasn't too sure. That happened, and I I really liked it. Yeah, I thought and that was I didn't, cool. Yeah, I thought that maybe it was just me not paying attention to his entrances. I, I don't remember ever seeing that. Now, with the shaking of the camera, that works. For retribution, yeah. yes. it does not yes. work. <laughs> I, uh, this is a good way to use it. Retribution, I, no. I was watching uh, Ron Funches. You're familiar with him, the comedian? Oh, he's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He streams on Twitch, and this past week, he was streaming wrestling matches. And one of the matches that he streamed was Jonah Rock, which is Bronson Reed versus uh, Walter from, I forget the company, uh, I think it was Riptide Wrestling. Uh-huh. In 2018, uh, it was such a good match, and I'm I'm happy that Bronson Reed is continuously being used. I agree with you. It, it took him a little bit to finally be used, and now he's really starting to build up. I feel like right now he's at the stage where they're just building up steam behind Bronson Reed, but like right now, now he has a good in- entrance. And he's been doing great in the ring, too. I mean, I love that top rope splash. Yeah, uh, which I wa- I wanted it so badly to be called Thick, Thick Boom. But uh, it, they, <laughs> went should, with the, they went with the tsunami instead. You should, you should tweet him and say that he should have a move called the Thick, Thick Boom. <laughs> you should, like, you if, should. Any, if any move was going to be that, it'd be, I feel like it would be that the, the splash. But maybe, maybe it could be a belly to belly or something. Yeah, well... I mean, because he goes, he's like, he's like thick boy or whatever. Or even, or even this, the, uh, the bump to the outside of the ring. It could be something like that called the thick, thick boom. Uh, during the match though, I thought we were going to maybe see Jake Atlas due to his, I, due to his feud with Isaiah Swerve Scott, but I, I, I thought about it, but then because it's Bronson Reed and Everything like that. I couldn't really see that happening too much. I thought maybe the most likely scenario would have had been them encountering each other backstage after. Yeah, but uh, that also did not happen. Nope. Next match, we saw the grizzled young veterans defeat Brizongo. I still have absolutely no idea why that War Games post is there. <laughs> But Fandango climbed up that post and jumped off of it. And I feel like if anyone's going to get the reference, you'll get the reference the most. I when I about saw it too. what? Keep on going. When I saw the spot, it just in my mind, it, it reminded me of singing in the rain. Uh-huh. I could see that. Was that what you were thinking I was going to say? No, I was thinking of uh, Johnny Silver jumping off of oh, it. Oh, no, no. But I, I but it I was definitely, definitely like it to me. I just like it, it was just so like I don't know if it was like not done the swing around or anything, but it was just yeah. It just if you've seen Singing in the Rain, it's the most famous scene I think. Oh yeah, the, the, for sure the lamppost. But it it looked like he hurt his knee on the landing, and that was worked on uh, throughout the whole match. And grizzled young veterans took advantage of that to pick up the victory. Yeah, 
After that, we saw Everize come out, being held back by the referee, yelling at uh, Grizzled Young Veterans. And finally, Aja was just like, nope, I'm done. You guys, like, screw it. You guys go after them. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really funny because Grizzled Young Veterans get out of the ring and Everize like, no, hold on a second. Hold on. And, like, they they leave. I think they're so good. Yeah, they do have... They have great chemistry. I'm such a fan. I say that every week. I'm such a fan of Everize. But we saw them announce the return of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic uh, in two weeks. Uh, and we saw Adam Cole announce that it's going to be him and Roderick Strong going in as a tag team together. So with this, I hope that the winner is just not a thrown together tag team just for this classic. But do you, I, I, I kind of, I'm like interested in seeing a thrown together team here though. Not, okay, yes, but not as winners. We who keep do you, who seeing, do you think could possibly win this? Could possibly win this. Um, like, I mean, we have the first people are Adam Cole and, I almost said Adam Rose. <laughs> Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Past winners, we've seen Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Authors of Pain. We saw Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly win it once, where they -hmm. they picked up the tag team championships. Aleister Black and Ricochet, and then we saw the Broserweights win it last year. Didn't we see Samoa Joe and and, uh, Black? No, that was, you're, you're mixing up two different teams here. Okay. The first one took place was Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, and then the third, uh, the fourth one was Alistair Black and Ricochet. Okay. All right. I'm combining it all of them. All right. Um, but that but... first tournament had a like a lot of like, who were these teams? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I mean, I think they were feuding at the time, but Baron Corbin and Rhino moved on over American Alpha. So, hmm. it's just like, what? How? How does that make sense? And they were in the finals with Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. I'm going to go with Breezango. Yeah, I don't... I I couldn't even, like, begin to think who who it could be. I guess we have to find out, really, who's in the tournament, too. Yeah. But next up, you had a segment from Bex... Well, from Parts Unknown... Uh, Zylee and Bo, <laughs> yeah, vignette. Um, their return is going to be next week. I thought that this entire thing was awesome, where you had this this mysterious hand just put this ink on their foreheads, and then kind of start to lead them to what looks like the ring, like the an exit. Yeah, and I liked it. Was like they had the they were going hard with more training. She uh, after she marked their faces, she blew. Or breathe smoke in their face. Yeah. And then they all walked into the light. And I we'll mean, find out more next week. I'm guessing next week we won't find out who this mysterious person is, though. Either they're going to come out without. I don't know. Or they'll come out with the old guy by themselves. Um, and if they do come out with this mysterious figure. Next week, as in, like, New Year's Evil. Yeah, yeah. Either this mysterious figure is definitely not going to be revealed next week. And I that's again like I don't know like it says next week, 
we already have a lot of matches for next week announced. Who, like, are they facing singles matches? Or are we going to see a mixed match or something? I would love to see uh, the um, Dexter Loomis' drawing of them. Like, are we going to see, I don't, like, I don't even know who they could possibly face. The only it, other team that I know is, like, or I guess maybe it could be Indy and Theory. Could be. Could just be a, uh, I don't know if it couldn't be a promo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we find saw out, Mercedes Martinez defeat Valentina Faraz, uh, which was a quick match as expected. I, yeah, I actually really liked her entrance. Um, I don't know if this is going to, but it really reminded me a lot of the moment in the Mortal Kombat movie where Sub-Zero and Scorpion re- uh, make their entrance where the music changes out of nowhere and they just come out slowly and everything like that. And you know the mood is about to change. <laughs> and, wow, that was... <laughs> What's up, Taz? <laughs> um, but I thought that that was kind of one of these moments with this entrance where she came out all fully dressed up and it was a s- slow... Uh, like she was about to to cause havoc in this ring, and I was a huge fan of it. By the way, I just uh, in regards to Taz, I I wonder if he was the one that came up with that line. <clears throat> I was obsessed with that line. <laughs> <laughs> but Mercedes Martinez put everybody on notice afterwards, so we'll see what comes of that more uh, she- in the future. She does. I do think she needs a new finisher, though, instead of the white noise. Why? Because yeah, because Sheamus does it. No. I mean, she's been in the business for such a long time. She could do something different. She's might have. Even, she might have even in, been in the business longer than uh, than Sheamus. Sheamus. Oh, I'm. I'm. I wouldn't doubt that either. You know. But even still, I don't. I just don't like. I don't like finisher moves crossing over. So, uh, but like they're on separate brands, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but still. Next up, you had Pete Dunn pick up the victory over Roderick Strong. She has two years on him, by the way. Ah, two thousand versus two thousand two. Look at you, the computer over there. Yeah, uh, but quick. this um, Pete Dunn and Roddy Strong was a, a really good match. Yeah, I I love the fact that Dunn was about to. Uh, was in a bad position when he was on his back, and then he was able to get that finger snap move on uh, Strong to really change the change the match. Yeah, and it has me wondering, where does this go from here? But afterwards, we saw Pete Dunne confront Finn Balor backstage before Balor went to the ring. That's, yes, all over. Yes, that's going to be amazing. And I love, so... As you said, Balor went to the ring. He went to present the uh, the the NXT Year End Award for Match of the Year with uh, Kyle O'Reilly to Kyle O'Reilly. Throughout the night, they were doing the award gimmicks, um, which I would say Io Shirai came out on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he went out to the ring. He gave Kyle O'Reilly the award. Kyle O'Reilly came out, and Balor told him that the award doesn't mean anything to him. And Kyle O'Reilly said that it means something to him as it shows that he could actually be in the main event and he belongs in the main event of NXT. 
I love this Kyle O'Reilly. And it, it, this was a really good promo. I don't I don't necessarily agree that that was the the match of the year as I think mm-hmm. Ilya Dragunov and Walter should have had it, but storyline-wise it fits in perfectly. I and, I and think Kyle that... cut a a really good fired up promo that we really have not seen from him. That's funny you said that because in my notes I have written O'Reilly fired up promo. Yeah, it was really good. Like we've never like so that's funny you said exactly that because that was exactly what I was going to say. It was the really the first time that we've seen this fired up promo style of Kyle O'Reilly, uh, this kind of aggressive promo, and it was awesome. Um, do you think that this is going to lead into potentially the demon? I I don't know. I mean, with the jaw being broken and everything like this, I don't with how think, fired I up he don't was getting. I necessarily think we're going to see the demon next week. I mean, it it is New Year's Evil. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I I don't know. But after that, Scarlet came out. I I think she was speaking Russian. Yeah, it sounded like it sounded Russian to me. She was with Karrion Cross, and she said that it's irrelevant as to who wins the championship next week because it belongs to them. And this, I love that this entire uh, this entire segment, it was just such a segue from the Don Strong over to Balor, over to O'Reilly, over to Scarlet Cross, over to what is going to happen next where <laughs> you have Cross start talking and then out of nowhere Damian Priest appears behind him. Yeah, and they have a quick stare down followed by a huge brawl. Yeah, they threw each other through the bar- through the uh the hockey glass or whatever it is. Like and then the, they continued to brawl still. The the I thought that the, the them throwing each other through that that panel was that looked so awesome and then they kept on brawling and they were knocking down everything. But I really love I don't think we've seen this before. I don't think we've seen such a segue done bringing so many characters together and having each seg- each part not really directly related to all of them. Yeah, that was good. And, yeah, uh, and then it ended, it ended with them going through the table. Yeah, Karrion Cross went for that Doomsday Saito and Damian Priest turned it into like a crossbody. And they both yeah. went off, I don't know, it was a platform or something through tables. And then you just have Scarlett Bardot sitting there and enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I love this. I love this. All of this from the Balor uh, stare down with Dunn backstage to uh, O'Reilly fired up to this priest and and cross brawl. It was a really good Um, lead-in for for New Year's Evil. A go-home show, if you will. The fact that this did not close out is mind-boggling. But even still... The closeout was incredible, and this was just so properly scripted, I feel. After that, we saw a Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez video package that showed off how good of a friendship they used to have. Which is huge, because I think, I mean, for us, we know this. I believe a lot of NXT fans know this, about how they had such a great relationship and everything like that, how they... Really, um, I think that they were teaming a lot at house shows. Live and events, fact, pal. Live, is, live events. <laughs> my, my apologies. But I feel like this entire segment was 
this video package was great. And yeah. it was also, and it great... wasn't necessary to have either of them there. And it like I... sold the match for next week. Perfectly. Yeah, exactly. It gave meaning behind this match and everything. And plus it was a great video package to air after all of the excitement of what we just saw with that brawl. Yeah. After this, we saw Legato Del Fantasma in the ring and uh, Santos Escobar spoke about how nobody can touch him and how William Regal can go search anywhere he wants, but there's like nobody he can find who belongs in the ring with him. And I was thinking, it wouldn't really make sense, but maybe it's going to be Jordan Devlin that, that shows up. Because he is also the WWE Cruiserweight Champion or the NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Ah, okay. However, we got a surprise from Monday Night Raw, Grand Metallic, or from SmackDown? No, Monday Night Raw? Uh, Raw. Now because they were on... Yeah, they were on Raw. Yeah. Grand Metallic and Lince Dorado cut this off. And they were saying that Lucha Libre is for everybody. They charged the ring. They took out Joaquin uh, Wild and Raul Mendoza. And then William Regal on the spot sets up a tag team match where Lucha House Party actually picks up the victory over Legado Del Fantasma. This was, a, I think, a huge week for Grand Metallic. Two big wins, I would say. Yeah. And, like, Grand Metallic... This sets up for Grand Metallic versus Santos Escobar at New Year's Evil for the Cruiserweight Championship. We've seen Grand Metallic in that final match against TJP in the very first Cruiserweight Classic. The only mm-hmm. Cruiserweight Classic. I still think he should have won that, but he was never a uh, Cruiserweight Champion. Um... And, and we've seen there's a little bit of history between Grand Metallic and Santos Escobar dating back to Mexico. So that's, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but throughout the night, we saw the way experiencing a bunch of bad luck signs. There was a black cat. Austin Theory brings up the curse of Johnny Gargano. Johnny gets pissed and accidentally uh, breaks a mirror. And then he I, walked under a ladder. Yeah, I I think that that entertaining wise, it, it's it was just fun. Basically, just to play up that Johnny Gargano can't keep his title after he wins it. Yeah, and it also is a great way to lead into the final match of NXT for the year because it's a title match with Gargano and Ruff. So it kind of makes you think. Is this going to continue? Could Gargano actually lose to Leon Ruff to finish NXT for the year? Um, And so Gargano, it did not go that way. Gargano picked up the victory over Leon Ruff to retain the championship. Yeah. And another good match. I didn't think Leon Ruff was going to win this, but I liked all the spots that made it look like he could actually win. Yeah, it it was a lot of fun. And I love the entire... Um, what's the group called again? The Way. Yeah, I love The Way. Every time I uh, say that, I just think of Fastball. That's fastball. the the song. The group is Fastball. The song is The Way. Where was she know. going without ever knowing The Way? No, From the 90s? Have... You definitely know it. If you heard yeah, it, Yeah, you know I have it. to listen to it. But, yeah, great match to close out uh, 
NXT on the year. Yeah, and this broke the championship curse, the so-called championship curse. But afterwards, the lights flickered. Dexter Loomis appeared to uh, show off portraits or, or caricatures of the matches for New Year's Evil. And confirming the Metallic yeah. match. Um, and it was just really, these drawings were awesome. Which, by the way, I saw on WWE's auction site, they're selling, I think it was a War Games chair, maybe? Mm-hmm. Not War Games. It would have had to have been Halloween Havoc. A Halloween Havoc used chair from Dexter Loomis and uh, Cameron Grimes. And it has, he drew, no, it is War Games. Okay, yeah, it's from War Games. And it's, he drew in paint pen caricatures of him and Loomis and the War Games logo on the chair. And it's like super cool. You mean him and Grimes? Yeah, who did I say? Loomis. <laughs> oh, well. But that's that sounds that's really cool. And I feel like that's something that adds to Dexter Loomis's, um, uh, da, 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 da. his appeal is that, especially for merchandising, because not only is it t-shirts and stuff like that, well, you can sell Dexter Loomis artwork now. Yeah. Just like with Jeff Hardy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, but very cool way to close out NXT. Really sets you up for next week with New Year's Evil. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But that was NXT moving over to SmackDown. It opens up with another Luke Harper bumper, rightfully so. Uh, And then into the actual show, Roman Reigns opens up with Jey Uso and Paul Heyman. He puts Jay over, but not without putting himself over as the reason why Jay had a good 2020, which is entirely true. Of course. Agreed. And it works with Reigns' entire character of him being the head of the table. Yeah. And then Kevin Owens cut this off, but Roman Reigns told him to leave. And then Kevin Owens said that Roman Reigns and his family failed to end his career. And then he challenged Jey Uso. And that was the end of that segment there. Yeah. First match of the evening, we saw Big E defeat King Corbin via disqualification. Big E wore a Brody armband on his arm. Sami Zayn did commentary for this. We saw Big E use the the gator roll, followed up by a yeah, 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 (laughs) which was nice to see. Uh, but he hits the big ending on Sami Zayn, uh, not on Sami Zayn, on King Corbin, goes for the pin, and Sami Zayn attacked Big E. Yeah, and then Cutler Cor- and uh, and Blake joined in. What is it, Corbin's but, uh, Court? Corbin's Knights? No, the Wolf Knights or something? I don't know. <laughs> oh, the Lone, the Lone, something with lone, the, the, the Lone, lone Rangers. Wolf Knights, the Knights of the Lone Wolves. <laughs> I I, Something I, like I love. Um, did you see the splicing of Airheads with that? No. All right, I'm gonna have to send it to you. It's hilarious. You know the movie Airheads, right? Yeah. That scene where they're talking about how you can't have a lone, you can't be called the Lone Rangers because because there's two of them. Yeah. So they mocked that entire thing. Yeah, but that's funny. But but it's he's the lone wolf. They're yeah. the they're the the court. Yeah. Of the lone wolf. Yeah. Well, 
yeah, so Big E got attacked by all of them, and then uh, out comes Apollo Crews to make the save. Yeah, and it gets set into a uh, tag team match where Big E and Apollo Crews picked up the victory over Sami Zayn and King Corbin. Um, Sami Zayn kept tagging himself in, which it kind of infuriated King Corbin. Definitely. And the breaking point, but but the breaking point between them, Sami Zayn almost hits a haluva kick on him. And then they argued, and King Corbin's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm gone. Take- he left. The The Knights of the Round Table left. And uh, Paul Cruz won with that big blue thunder bomb. Yeah. After this, we went backstage to uh, Adam Pierce and Kevin Owens. Yeah, uh, which I was going to group in. Uh, well, not even group in. I was just going to touch on what happened with Big E after that. Oh yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Uh, Big E and, and Apollo Crews were walking backstage, and they were interviewed by Kayla. And Big E fit in a lot of references to to Luke Harper, Brody Lee. In this, he started it out with "From Rome to Rochester." Uh, Luke Harper is from Rochester, New York. He mentioned the the little Amandas and Nolans, which that's his uh, his wife and one of his sons. And then he mentioned the, the Maple Leafs as well, which was uh, a team that, that Brody Lee really liked. That's re- Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, which I also, we didn't even mention during uh, AEW. The reason why uh, Anna J is nicknamed 99 was because of Wayne Gretzky. Huh? Interesting. So that's cool. Yeah. But he, he issued, it, or he said he was going to issue an open challenge for SmackDown next week for the Intercontinental Championship, and Apollo Crews accepted it right away. So next week on SmackDown, we're going to be seeing Big E defending the Intercontinental Championship against Apollo Crews. Now, what's your take? Because I know your take on face versus face and heel versus heel. I, I just, I think it's fine because, like, it was like a... There's there's reason behind it, I guess. Like it was just like a oh, I'll I'll step up right here. I'm right here. All right, sounds so, good. I don't like. It's not like oh, we're getting a face versus face. It's just I was there at the right time. I'm stepping up. Mm-hmm. I want to be champion. Right. But back to what you alluded to before. Adam Pierce was backstage. He dropped a uh, you know what that means on the phone. Before getting interrupted by Kevin Owens, who approached him about Jay Uso, and he said, "I can't give you a match against Jay Uso. I could give you anyone else. Pick anybody else." Kevin Owens chooses Roman Reigns, <laughs> and uh, after more convincing, including a Manhattan Center mention, which I thought was cool, uh, Adam Pearce gave him a match against Jay Uso. Yeah, setting up your uh, main event for later on. It's cool to that they can make mention of of stuff like that, like their history. That like he's known him for fifteen years, and have those places to go back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the Riot Squad defeat Natalia and Tamina. They were accompanied to the ring by Billy Kay, and then she attempted to switch sides during the match, which I thought was <laughs> funny. And the Riot Squad just wasn't having it. Uh, even though she ended up like kind of on the side of the riots afterwards. Yeah, I mean, she she kind of left with them. Not really. <laughs> I thought what we were going to see was uh, the riot squad throw 
Billy Kay back into the ring or or into the ring, I should say. Yeah. But I'm I'm really liking like she's not obviously she's not doing much on SmackDown, but I really like her role. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that she she is pure entertainment. And I think because it, because she has so much entertainment factor and so much charisma with her, she doesn't have to always be wrestling, but if she's on TV, she is going to make the most of it and she's going to get your attention. Yeah. And I like this this match in general. I liked how hard Liv like Liv was really going hard in this match. Yeah, the only thing that didn't connect with me was Tamina. I I mean she had that the sidekick didn't even look that good. Um I don't know. She's just a wrestler that never connects well with me. Well, the next match we saw Bay Mella defeat Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey both had Brody armbands on. Um, I, in regards to the match, though, I like when I when we spoke about tribute to the troops, I said that I liked this team last week. I said I liked this team, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, and it was nice yeah, to see them works. team up again. I liked uh, the teasing of of. Using Bianca Belair, Bianca Belair's hair to help Sasha Banks again, and Bailey stopped it only to get whipped into the the ring post with her hair. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And then uh, Reginald got involved here. He pulled Carmella out of the ring while she was locked in the bank statement. Then he pulled out some uh, lucha style maneuvers. Dude, he gets into the ring and exit exits the ring in like one of the most unique ways I've ever seen. He like he backflipped out of the ring. <laughs> he did. He did a back backwards whirl. Well, backwards yeah, tumble. I guess, yeah, yeah. A backwards tumble out of the ring, and then he proceeded to get back up onto the apron. And when Sasha Banks went to make a move at him, he did a perfect backflip off of it. Yeah, and he kept causing those distractions. And Carmella was able to hit that float over X Factor. I guess is that, known as the Mella Buster. That float over face buster looks sick. Has she I been just, doing I the just float realized over? that uh, that's what uh, the Bellas called theirs was the Beller the Bella Buster. Well, I mean that's what Kong <laughs> used to call it, right? The, the she never did bombshell that. buster or she never used the knockout buster. There's no way she did an X Factor. No, she didn't do the X Factor, but I feel like her finisher she had a yeah the uh, implant buster. Implant Buster, yeah. See, she, yeah, but see? that's not that's not at all in relation to this at all. Well, same similar names. Yeah, but it's not. I was talking different, about the, the actual moves, move itself. But is has she been doing the float over? I don't recall her doing the float over. I feel like this is the first time I've seen her do the float over uh, face plan. But if she continues to do the float over aspect, that adds so much to. Her the look and appeal of the finisher. I don't I know if sick. it was a float over the last time I spoke about it, but I think the last time was like a unique I, move as well. Yeah, I think unique, but I don't think she's ever done an actual float over, but I'm all floored. Next we up, saw Sonya Deville walking backstage and they mentioned that she's reinstated on the roster now. So that's cool that she's back. Yeah. And everybody um, was like, checking her out like just looking and being like 
wow, she's back and everything. It was just like a cool moment of just her dressed at all black, just walking through like this. She's owned the everything. And I'm, Billy I'm, Kay, Billy Kay pitching herself to King Corbin. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was pretty funny. But Big E back there was wearing a Bludgeon Brothers t-shirt. Oh, I missed that. I didn't even and notice. He, he, he tweeted a story about it recently. Not really a story, just a little blurb. But uh, apparently Luke Harper had given him that t-shirt and he always kept it in his gear bag for years. Why? He, like he never, I don't know. He he just, he said he didn't, I think he said he never knew. He just like, he never wore it really. Just always kept it with him and just took it out of his bag recently too. I think he said. That's so weird. Like to, if somebody gives you a shirt, why would you keep it in your bag for so long? Yeah. I don't know. He said that I mean, he always, he always, um, kept like his gear, like his, uh, his shirts or whatever, but he never kept any other shirts ever except for that one. Maybe just if to I'm have not an extra mistaken, shirt, just in case. Uh, yeah, and then tonight he he wore it in tribute. Yeah, very cool. We saw the Street Profits New Year's Smoke Tacular, where they revealed a drum set which which Angelo Dawkins performed. They had champagne which wasn't used. <laughs> Uh, but they were giving their 2021 predictions, which were more like roasts on Sami Zayn and Dolph Ziggler. And then they got attacked by Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler from behind. Where they even, uh, was it uh, Dolph Ziggler who used that chair? Yeah, the, yeah. The steel, against the steel steps on Montez Ford's leg. Oh, yeah. They, they took his Montez Ford, his leg apart with that chair. Uh, and then backstage, the Dirty Dogs were asked about their attack on the Profits, and Ziggler said that they've been provoked for months by the Street Profits. They want the titles. They want a rematch for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I like the name, Dirty Dogs. Is that what they've been going under? Uh, f- I, This is, I think, the first time that we've seen it on television. Mm-hmm. I believe we've seen, I think they've tweeted out like pictures of the dirty dogs in the past. Ah, gotcha. But like nothing, it was never like, uh, I think now it would be like official. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a catchy name. Um, They showed a video package of Daniel Bryan, not even a video package, just like earlier footage of Daniel Bryan training for the Royal Rumble with Otis and Chad Gable. It was pretty funny. They were practicing the German suplex. No, I don't look, even think it was. It or, wasn't even like a. It, it was just lifting with your hips. It was all yeah, in your hips, is what they were saying. Yeah, yeah, just more of a lifting uh, aspect. Which I think this was such a funny segment. <laughs> I agree. Then you had Nakamura, which and like clearly, away. yeah, clearly. I mean, there were implications there as to why it was funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, but Cesaro and Nakamura ended up interrupting them. Um, yeah, and it sets up for the, the next match, which was Daniel Bryan and Otis defeating Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Um, both Cesaro and Daniel Bryan had Brody armbands on. Cesaro hit the truck stop slam during this. Um, Otis hit that discus lariat. So there were, there were uh, cool Brody spots within this match. Mm-hmm. I liked Daniel Bryan hitting that sunset flip from the top rope. 
I don't know yeah. if I've ever seen any, like, I, I I must have seen somebody do that before, but I just don't feel like we see that often. I like the Nakamura cutting off Daniel Bryan's uh, comeback with the kick to the face. Yeah, but Daniel Bryan reversed Nakamura's pin into the yes lock to win the match. Yeah, then after the match, I believe they did the Three Amigos taunt. Yeah, they definitely did. Right? That was the Three Amigos. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. I know uh, Corey Graves even mentioned uh, Chevy Chase and Steve Martin. Okay, so yeah, it had to have been the Three Like I was just like, I'm almost positive that's the Three Amigos taunt. I don't know if it was like to the T, mm-hmm. but pretty much like, it yeah. pretty much was, but... Earlier in the night, we saw Roman Reigns backstage asking uh, Paul Heyman to find out who made the match, the the main event match, and told Paul to find out who is the one who doesn't appreciate him. And later on, Paul informed him that it was Adam Pearce, which I thought was going to be used in, in the main event match. I mean, maybe next week. I mean, I could definitely see... It seems like Reigns is going at this very uh, Godfather-esque persona. So next week, I definitely expect someone someone to attack Adam Pearce. Yeah, I thought Um, for sure we were going to see Adam Pearce be like knocked out backstage or something um, to distract Kevin Owens. That it has to happen next week. It has to. But Kevin Owens defeated Jey Uso and he was working Jay Uso's bad leg the whole match. I liked him saying that it wasn't Jay's fault. It's, it's like it's it's Roman Reigns' fault. It's not this has nothing to do with you even. Nah. They go to commercial, they come back from commercial. It's basically a stunner and a victory. Yeah, not not too much took place during the actual match itself, but after the match yeah, Kevin Owens continued that attack on Jay Uso, trying to draw Roman Reigns out. He calls him out, cuffs Jay Uso to the ring ropes, continues the attack. Roman Reigns still didn't come out. So he unlocks the, the, the handcuff and he's like, I'll come to you. And him and Jay were brawling up by the ramp and Roman Reigns finally showed up and attacked Kevin Owens. And, and he, I thought it was a cool aspect to see them fighting in the fans, I guess. Yeah, and he <laughs> he picked his, his point perfectly because he had the upper hand over Kevin Owens. Yeah, and then him and Jey Uso continued to beat down Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens got thrown off of the top of the fans through a, a, a few tables. Yeah, uh, Roman Reigns and Jay ending SmackDown on top. Yeah. So that was a. I thought all in all, it was a pretty good episode of SmackDown. I I definitely agree with you. You know, a lot of fun. So those are the results of SmackDown. Hey, Chris, got a match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. First one for 2021, and I think I'm like everybody this week that went and. Went back and watched a bunch of Brody Lee, Luke Harper matches. And this is the one that really stuck out to me. TLC 2014, Luke Harper versus Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match. There was so many I wanted to pick out of this. I mean, I wanted to pick the six-man match from Elimination Chamber, the Shield versus the Wyatts, because the crowd was so hot. 
I think they were in, like, freaking Iowa or something like that. But this one just stuck out to me because these guys put it all out there. And it was such a fantastic ladder match. Um, I get the ending with Ziggler winning in his hometown. Um, but it just shows you how good in the ring Luke Harper, Brody Lee was. Um, WWE Network did an excellent job of highlighting his, you know, his best matches, his debuts, you know, good white family stuff. So uh, he will be heavily missed. And uh, go check out his matches because they were awesome. So uh, until then, Brandon, who are you shouting out? Hello there, this is Randy Newman, and you're listening to Brandon's Shoutouts because you got some shoutouts from Brandon. Now when do I get paid? The first shout-out goes to Danny Hodge. He unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 88. And I think he might be like the definition of wrestling. He went undefeated at the University of Oklahoma. He earned a silver medal in the 1956 Olympics. He had a boxing career uh, before moving over to pro wrestling. And I think... To the younger generation, he's probably most known for for crushing an apple with his bare hand. Yeah, with just his hand. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, you have to look it up on YouTube. He just takes a fresh apple in his hand and just squeezes the life out of it. I remember, I remember trying it years ago, but I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I actually remember you do trying that too. I feel like we were together for that. I'm not sure, but there are so many videos of him on the internet doing that, so definitely check that out if you can. Our condolences, our thoughts go out to his family and his friends. Yeah, definitely. Pixar's Soul is getting the next shout-out. It came out on Christmas Day on Disney+, and I really enjoyed this movie. What's the uh, hit us with the plot? Uh, well, you, a, a man, I don't want to give anything away really, but he ends up in the great before instead of the great afterwards or whatever. What do they call it? The great beyond? Uh-huh. He ends up in the great before. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to escape death, I guess. Huh. And come to terms with life. That's an interesting concept to be, uh, with Disney. Yeah. It's uh, like children, you know. And it was—I thought it was a really good film. It was—it looked really, really nice too. I um, mean, the art, the artwork and stuff that Disney always comes out with—it's just incredible. And for some reason, I—I I thought John Ratzenberger wasn't in this film, but it was confirmed that he actually is. So I, I don't really know who he plays in the film. Um, I feel like maybe he's he's one of two different people in the film, but you can't really tell because it doesn't actually sound 100% like Ratzenberger. But he's been in every Pixar movie, so he's definitely in this. It was confirmed. I just don't know where. Uh, But I also kind of popped that Madison Square Garden's kind of in it. uh, Because there's a joke. I don't want to spoil again anything, but there's a little joke in there. A little bam roasted, but... uh, it was a good film. If you have Disney Plus, check it out. The last shout out goes to Neil Sedaka because for about eight months he had been performing mini concerts just about like every weekday on YouTube up until early uh, December. He got laryngitis. 
So he was advised to uh, stay on vocal rest, but hopefully they'll come back with the new year. Um, but to to have done that eight months, I I think that was awesome. And wow. uh, I really, it was cool to hear like songs that he maybe not have, maybe never played live before. Mm-hmm. And, That's incredible. Yeah, or songs that he hadn't played since he recorded them, so... Still not the one song I wanted to hear, but I did get to hear a bunch of songs I actually did want to hear, so that was awesome. What do you want to hear? Uh, it's called Sweet Little You. I know you do don't want, know it, but I'm not going to sing it. it to you? No. <laughs> I don't. I can learn it for you. But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for our... is right our mark out moment of the week i think for for me it has to be the miz getting that money in the bank briefcase back it's- that yeah that's a huge moment and especially for the miz storyline and everything with the progression that's huge yeah um for for myself a big mark out moment was this entire stare down uh this entire testing of Randy Orton with Alexa Bliss. I thought that it was intense. It was entertaining and it was fun. Um, I totally marked out for that entire segment because I was glued to it, especially from the Firefly Funhouse to the closure of it. It was just one of those things where once it went on TV, you just, you couldn't walk away. You had to see how did this end? And it was, it was phenomenal. It was great. Yeah. Uh, that's our mark out moment of the week. Before we go, I just want to mention real quick. Uh, Bruce Springsteen had a new album come out in October called Letter to You. And it was it's heavily inspired by him losing his bandmates over the years. Uh, I think three in particular. But the last song on the album is called I'll See You in My Dreams. And one of the lyrics is, For death is not the end and I'll see you in my dreams. So I just want to say thank you again to John Huber, Brody Lee, Luke Harper. He gave us years of entertainment. I'll never forget it. And yeah. just here's hoping that everybody sees him in their dreams. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful lyric and it definitely, definitely something to hold true with this right now. And I totally agree. Um, you could follow us on Twitter at Marking Out, BTTG161, Chris Sweendog, Dave the Rave underscore MO. You could like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Marking Out. Subscribe on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Marking Out 11. Instagram is also at Marking Out 11, at BTTG161. Purchase some merchandise, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. Use the code REGARDLESS for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash out. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, and more. Thank you so much as we head into our 10 years of a podcast. We appreciate all of you, and we hope you had a happy new year. We wish yeah. you... The
luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Oh, oh.